1: So welcome back to Techmakers, the Ubisoft podcast. I'm your host, David Usher, a podcast host for the third time. I'm the founder of Reimagine AI, the artificial intelligence creative studio. And on this episode, we are going to be talking about forging the future and environments. Guys,
0: could you introduce yourselves and what you do? Sure. Yeah, my name is Shaheen, Shaheen Rabani. I'm a scientist, at uh, R&D scientist at La Forge, and uh, I'm the head of uh, the environment group, uh, at LaForge and that's it for me, I guess. Claude?
2: And I'm uh, Claude Langlais. I'm a director of the Anvil Pipeline team, so it's one of our internal tech at Ubisoft. I've been at Ubisoft since uh, 1999, working on different games, uh, but right now really focusing on developing and evolving our internal
1: technology uh, within Ubisoft for all the different games. So this podcast really um, centers around LaForge Forge and how it sits within Ubisoft, so what I've been really interested in finding out from everyone that comes through this series is how the integration between um science and product is developed, how you come up with how how scientists are brought into the brought into the pipeline, and how those ideas um sort of become what what the experience is like for a scientist coming into this sort of more product based world if you will
0: yeah I can definitely um maybe give you a bit of uh, background context so what we try to do at La Folge is basically to bridge the gap between what happens in uh, at universities, for example, academia, and then the reality of production and all these problems. So there is a gap because uh, we have different sets of preferences, preferences uh, in two different universes, right, academic and, and production worlds. And uh, a lot of those papers and, you know, amazing works that are presented at conferences and journals and all that, they're not really ap- applicable to what we need to have in our production because uh, they a lot of times they're just focusing on theoretical aspects, right? On the other hand, we have like, you know, production, we have like a lot of constraints and we have a lot of in- engineering problems at hand to solve, so what we are trying to do is to find overlapping um, overlapping areas where we can actually take the best of the two worlds, And that's our niche. So we have a lot of collaborations with um, universities and we get a lot of interns, we hire a lot of PhDs. And then we try to stay ahead of the curve in the game industry by um, working on, you know, top-notch, cutting-edge technologies that are also... You know they have enough value in terms of you know academic contribution and all that. So this is what we do at LaForge. We bridge the gap.
1: I'm curious about the your sort of the personal journey from the scientific because you came from from academic world. What was there a change of mindset that you had to go through?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Like how yeah. did it? How did that transition
0: happen? So a lot. I mean, for, on a personal level, it was it was a true transformation for myself because if you, if you're a PhD student like myself, you know, sitting in, in your lab, most of the time all alone, you know, working on one single problem, banging your head onto the wall, and, you know, questioning your life, while I'm doing this, you know, and all that. You have all these existential problems. Um, you kind of, you're deprived of a lot of good things that you would otherwise experience in, in, uh, when you're working for, with a company or for a company. As an example, you're part of the team if you're working uh, in a company. More often than not, you're not working in a silo. You're 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 part of a team. So you learn a lot, and you're pushed a lot. And you know, if you feel down one day, you know, people can actually carry you mentally. So that part is something that people actually don't really uh, don't really see when they're doing their graduate studies. The other side is technical. So when you're solving problems as a graduate student, you don't really care a lot about constraints, like budget constraints, GPU, CPU constraints, memory constraints. And these constraints are challenges that, that make it more interesting if you want to be innovative and creative. Um, so to me, that, that was both of them. They were really, really uh, rewarding when you, you can actually adopt them. Uh, what was the first idea? What was the entrance idea? Oh, uh, I mean, when, when I joined Forge, yeah. I was... Uh, so, so during my PhD, I was doing uh, character animation, you know, robotics and stuff like that. So I was part of the uh, deep motion group at La Forge. So I was doing character animation. But then after two years, I switched to fluid simulation, which was my kind of, like, passion. Okay. I didn't know how to do. So they gave me the chance to, you know, self-educate and all that. But uh, the the first year was actually really hard for me. Because uh, you have this sort of, like, ego that you have to put aside. Like, if, if you get your diploma, your first reaction is – your first impression is that, hey, I know everything. Right. Which is completely – it's, it's, it's the complete opposite of what you're sup- supposed to – the way that you're supposed to behave, right? And it's very common. So we know that when we actually hire PhD students, we, we know that this is really natural – um, and you have to deal with that. So gradually you learn that you, you, you learn the, uh, the, the frontier of knowledge and how limited it is. So we, you become more humble yeah. uh, when you see all these problems and all these great minds working, uh, working production. A lot of them, they don't have a diploma, but they're actually way, way smarter right. um, than, you know, many people in academia. I can, I can testify for that so you become humble i became humble i guess so that that was really interesting
1: is there a reorientation of goal you know if you're if you're a phd student your you know your your concept of what is success in a in a project is probably different than in a production setting you know you need to deliver something very different
0: yeah it was definitely true i mean so a lot of times when you work on Let's compare the two again. So if you are uh, a graduate student, um, usually you think about ways to impress other graduate people, uh, graduate level people, props, um, And that means not always, but more often than not, uh, more of the theoretical side, a lot of math, a lot of physics. And so the criteria is different, right? So that's your goal, how to impress um, other Uh, academic people. But when you come to like an environment like this provided by Ubisoft and Forge, for example, your goal gradually changes. Now you want to actually make something that ultimately you would see, uh, you would see it in the hands of, you know, normal people like users, right? And that gives you a different kind of appreciation. And it's a different, I I would say it's actually more addictive because it's more realistic Absolutely.
1: I'm going to ask you because because you've been you've been there for six years, correct? Almost six years. So you've seen the transition of the forge from what it was to what it is. Have you seen a big change in what its mission was to what it is to what it's become? Have you seen transition?
0: Yeah, actually, I, I guess I, w- I was lucky enough to be uh, one of the first people got employed by. Okay. It was so when I, when I was employed, uh, La Forge hadn't started yet officially, so they were recruiting people. And back then it was just like me and a couple of other guys, and and Olivier Pumarès and Iv Iv uh, Jackie and you know that's it. So it was a big room, empty room, just just us. And and some some days, me and Olivier, we uh, we used to uh, we used to just go out and walk and talk and daydream about the day that this thing will kick off and you know it will get momentum. And now we are, I mean La Forche has. Um, you know, has expanded a lot. So we have, like, I don't know exact number, but maybe uh, 25, 30 people kind of full-time. And then we have, like, almost 20, 30, uh, you know, interns coming and going. And we have, like, studio, sorry, a branch in Toronto and also in Bordeaux. And, you know, so it's expanding. Yeah, yeah. So seeing the growth of La Forge uh, has been, it's like, so I, w- I would always think about it as some sort of, like, startup. Within a big company, right? so we had to prove ourselves, you know, to to uh, to get enough credit, to get enough uh, um, recognition, to be able to 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 move forward. So I've seen the growth over the past five six years, and it's been amazing to be part of this journey. What are you working on now? Oh, right now. Yeah, right now is well. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about it for hours but i 'm not i'm not going to do that right now i 'm working on so we established this new group which is the the youngest group uh youngest team uh, at La uh called environment group so what we are working on is uh I- improving the uh the immersive experience for for the uh for for the game for the game players right, right. for the gamers so that that basically means everything that goes goes on in 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 the map, except for the character animation or hard level designs, that can affect the uh, the experience, right? So uh, rendering, uh, fluid simulation like you know fire and smoke, um, destruction, um, you know flock behavior, swarm swarm behavior, uh, you know dynamic maps and all that, right? So everything that you basically see around yourself that define. The universe around you, right? So there is a lot of physics, a lot of graphics, um, and but per, per se, I mean specifically, we're right now we're working on a project called Torch VFX, and that is um, that is an ambitious project that has made progress, which aims to um, which aims to provide a, te- a technology fast enough to simulate fluids like fire and smoke. So one day you can actually have them in in your games, right? So, and that's one part of it, which is targeting the production, like a direct integration into our game engines. And the other part of it is a VFX tool in the hands of the artists, so that we don't rely on third-party, uh, you know, software companies. We have like in, in-house Ubisoft in-house VFX tool. Okay, so it's really, really uh, ambitious, but we have made really good progress. How so far, far is it?
1: How long is it? where is the pipeline? <laughs> like so, in the in the roadmap.
0: So personally, I started working on this almost four years ago. It was just me and my computer, and you know that's it. <laughs> and, and I didn't know anything. Still, I didn't know much. <laughs> I, would, I should say, but but right now we have like a pipeline uh, which is fast enough, uh, so we can actually beat um, a lot of high tech solvers in the industry. We kind of. Kind of match uh, the performance of the best solvers, uh, for example, the competitor is Embergen like Django FX. That uh, many companies, including um, Epic Games, like in Unreal, you have the plugin uh, for for Embergen. We can actually uh, we can claim that our speed, our performance, are com- comparable. And we're we're just beginning. We're just starting. We have a lot of ideas to 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 push it and. And so we came up with new methods. We, uh, we submitted a paper to SIGGRAPH, like, you know, a few months ago to, to present the new techniques we are developing. And, and I guess we have a good momentum. We have a good direction. And we have a lot of good ideas. It's just right now the, the amount of ideas that we have is definitely more than the, the manpower that we have. Right, right. Yeah. So we are, like, a few people. And we are expanding. And we are just we are just, you know, juggling between many different things. So hopefully we can expand to get enough uh you know enough great minds. To to keep it all going. And and let, let me transition to you, Claude.
1: Um so you're doing pipeline stuff, taking things that come out of LaForge and moving them into pipeline? Yeah, by pipeline we mean we mean the whole to production pipeline. So right. the whole tool set to create the game. Of course. So what what is your role there specifically? So it's We've
2: just joined in a, a team together with a forge. So the goal is basically to transition all the steps that they take, the, you know, bridging the gap between the R and D world and something that's much closer to productions. But it's still a gap between this and how does it fit, and how you create a whole game. So the, the window of opportunity to integrate new R and D and new uh, new technologies in a game is relatively narrow, because you have a uh, production cycle. At right. some point, you need to take something and scale it, and make sure it's going to ship, it's going to be stable, and everything. But what uh, LaForge is doing is really doing bringing in a solution that's almost all the way there, uh, with um, like a central team for a production pipeline. What we do is we integrate it and want to remove some of the risk associated with adopting that uh, that kind of change and and doing this and adding maybe a layer of support and supporting as well. The integration from the, the pure, not the pure R&D, but the, the advanced R&D for games aware of the constraints uh, that's done in LaForge and adapting it to the constraints that we have in a particular production pipeline, whether it's Anvil or
1: uh, even uh, Snowdrop, which is another internal tech that we have. Have you moved a lot of things through from LaForge?
2: We've done a few. It's a relatively new initiative that we have. We're kind of transforming the way we uh, produce games at Ubisoft, and really, um, as Shane was saying, uh, we need more brains, more brain power. Uh, so it's a way of channeling all this uh, this brain power, at least, to 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 reach all the productions at Ubisoft. So we're we're kind of building this central tech team so that the same. There's no less and less effort that's duplicated from game per game because historically. Um, like in the industry or even at Ubisoft, each team had more of, more or less their own uh, production pipeline. Sort of so now we're kind of okay. a bit more siloed. And now we have a much wider bandwidth to bring those innovations directly to productions uh, in, in a standard way. So if people don't need to take the initial step themselves, People support them and bring it so that it's easier to uh, to use in production. A bit like uh, you're mentioning, uh, <laughs> existing plugins are available on Unreal. It's a similar kind of pattern. We we play a role where
1: it's much easier for users to to get their hands on it. Cool. So Shane has has anything moved out through the pipeline? Has has from the the, the new project yet?
0: Uh, so we're right now we are taking steps to uh to to uh, to do the industrialization integration with the snowdrop so right now we have a kind of like a simple backbone bare backbone pipeline uh, integrated in snowdrop uh the rendering side is it in needs work but the uh, the pipeline is there so and we are actually planning to inner source it uh, meaning that you know uh, making sure that people across all the studios, they have access, like anyone who has access to Snowdrop, for example, um, has access also to this branch with this pipeline so they can start contributing. So okay. We're planning to do the same thing with An- Anvil, so hopefully uh, we we will find the right right way of doing it. Uh, we just need uh, again, so we have the manpower problem, and because people people are just busy, right? So we have so many things to do. It's just it, it takes it takes some effort to uh, put aside to make sure that we can come up with a plan and actually put aside some budget, like time and energy, it's to, to to have this sort of collaboration. But definitely, there is a will. Um, increasingly, even more recently, uh, we, I've been receiving a lot of emails from <clears throat> sorry VFX programmers um, from different studios. A lot of them working with Anvil, they really want to see it. They they want to contribute somehow. Especially programmers to uh, to have this sort of plugin for Anvil, and uh, so we are getting like you know positive feedback. It's just we need to have a concrete plan. So, Claude, can you tell me a little bit more about
1: Anvil and how it fits into the Ubisoft environment?
0: Anvil
2: is um, is it's a game production pipeline. So it's a whole set of tools that goes from how uh, you start like from the thought of it, start creating uh, assets, whether it's an external. uh, commercial software like 3ds max or anything how do you bring it into the game how do you build ai and behaviors and uh how the cameras uh, react uh to the players what we call the the three c's the, the characters the camera and the controls how the, the player interact with the game so the Anvil pipeline is something that was kind of built from scratch it was an evolution to bring technology within ubisoft to a next step but back in 2004 so uh, the team had just uh, shipped Principally, of hands of time, on a, another internal tech, and we wanted to build something that would serve multiple games uh, long term. So we we still alive today with multiple games. So I think we we've managed to do something on that side. And that technology was built so that it it scales, is supported for for multiple projects, and where it fits within Ubisoft today is that we have a team dedicated to support it, and evolve it for multiple games uh, at the same time. So we have a common core that's shared across multiple games. And that team now is within the production technology at Ubisoft, is where we push technology so that we can differentiate the the games that we build uh, from the market. So we really push um, innovation, whether in the way we produce games, uh, like how we push uh, open-world games or experiences uh, um, like eSports or like uh, Rainbow Six Siege that uh, Shane uh, was talking about was also built on Anvil, a slightly different uh, version of Anvil. And all that, this ecosystem of uh, production technology also uh, involves La Forge. So that's how we – it's it's really a key element of adding innovation from, um, from, say, more advanced research than you can afford to do in a typical project because you have really time constraints as well as – Physical constraints and technical constraints on the on the devices that you ship. Um, so this kind of combination really brings it, so that we give our game content creators the best tools they can have, the best means of. Uh, coming coming up with these breakthroughs that Shaheen was talking about, like really something that unlocks new possibilities that you can do in the games. So whether it comes from La Forge, from uh, what can be possible in the pipeline, the tool sets that we build, and as well from the game production teams themselves, they come up with new ideas and they want to experiment. And this collaboration, um, all together, all the different uh, people and different mindsets that we have, that's the beauty of making games. You get people from art background from programming background from audio background you get all of them together uh, you get something that's really uh really amazing so that's all these ideas kind of jumbling around uh the the anvil production pipeline and we have another internal tech as well that does something similar just a different uh different spin on it different uh, types of game it's really all about empowering the content creators uh ultimately it's to deliver the best experiences. The players need to have fun and be delighted. And so we're talking about environments and being really immersed. Whatever we can do to connect it, find new ways to interact with an environments, and limit the what we call the suspension of disbelief. So you're really immersed and you, you feel like the, the world is you're connected to the world through uh, through your avatar.
1: Can you give me more specifics about Anvil in relation to uh, how it relates to you know a comparison between Unreal and Unity? So Anvil, it's the
2: internal tech attribute self. It's how we build games that have their own edge uh, that kind of reach or innovate in a new way so the players have a new experience in their hands. Uh, so that's how we can push and research and advance ways of creating games uh, that is not necessarily yet possible in uh, existing other tools out there. Um, so it comes with, um, as I was mentioning, like getting a lot of... The people from different perspectives together uh, really working on the core tech itself. Whereas if you're using an external tech uh, that's evolving uh, for sure, um, you have a bit less of a hand to work together with the creators to make it evolve. Whereas here, when you have an internal tech at Ubisoft, you're much closer to the projects. You build something for the long term, but you can also push in given directions that gives an edge and pushes the the R and D, and we have a fast flow. Say for for um, innovation that's been researched and catered for uh, for the game environment built at La Forge. That's how we we get that edge to really see the the flow from the research that you do all the way into the players'
1: hands in a tight bundle that gets reused as well within different games. How do you I guess that's, al- that's always the, 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 the rub or the balance. Between, it's between research and how you actually put it into a pipeline to make it a usable product that, that can scale. There's an aspect of
2: the pipeline. There's also the, the, the users, like the will. Uh, when the will is there, finding the, the opportunity to, to bring it to them. Um, if
0: there is a will, there is a way. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But we did have, uh, on
2: the animation side, choreograph is something where we managed to, um, to integrate an anvil. It's uh, yeah. been used to... Um, yeah. In uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla
1: and other games, cool. so that, that came from La Forge. Okay, very interesting. So, what's the what is the what would you say the um, in terms of where the product is the dream of where the product is, but where it's going? What you really want to where where you where you think it's going next?
0: Um, so, we can talk about different levels, like different timelines and different different components. Um, if you're just talking about fluid simulation on its own, it can be you know a very nice topic because on its own. It is pretty. Uh, I mean, it's one of the whole graves grades of, uh, of of the game industry because imagine that you if you could uh, set anything on fire if you have if you had a lot of explosions if you had for example a grenade like smoke grenade where you know or have some intuition about how it works and then use it to your advantage in during the gameplay it's going to affect the gameplay a lot. Um, so we know that this is uh, this can be an, a, a sort of like. Um, interrupting technology or some sort of paradigm shift if you if you can pull it off right and let 's face it it 's not easy. we are not the only one who have ever tried many other companies they have tried, they failed, and there is a good reason for that <laughs> um, but and but we have we have good ideas and we, we, th- we think it's worth it it 's worth the risk now if and there is a big if it happens. Uh, you're going to see two different uh, two different products, but both of them sort of sharing the same technology or the same science behind it. So one is for the production, like, you know, directly uh, integrated in our games. And then you can actually design games based on knowing the fact that you can have real-time fluid simulation. So you can have, let's say, water. You can have, like, magma. You can have, like, fluids. You can have all sorts of different things. And then based on that, you can design your game, which could be a new... Uh, kind so real-time of of. they
1: can react with players? Exactly.
0: And by real-time, just to make sure we uh, we are clear on what it means. Yeah. So right now what we have is uh, is, uh, is mostly animation. So what it means is uh, there are different techniques, but for the most part what you have is a bunch of billboards, like 2D uh, animations of uh, of fire and smoke. And then an artist has to spend a lot of time to come up with ways to place them in the 3D space such that he can actually create um, a, a, an illusion of fire, right? right? And it takes a lot of experience, a lot of effort to do that. And then we have some procedural uh, techniques to spawn fire and to spread fire. And, but these things usually rely heavily on intuition and a lot of work, and these are not transferable to other scenes. So pretty, well, not flexible. So that's one. The other thing is you can't really interact with them so if some if somebody is walking through the smoke, you're not going to see any interaction, right? right? So so a lot of limitations that otherwise you would be uh, really happy playing with smoke and fire in real time. Well,
1: in, in a way, the the environment becomes a player in the game. Exactly, right? It becomes the it becomes a, an element in the game that in that that moves
0: the action. Or yeah. I can give you an example. Like, yeah, uh, please. Uh, I'm not sure about. Uh, I have to. I've yet to tested with Rainbow uh, Six here, but uh, I know in Counter-Strike, for example, many people are familiar with Counter-Strike. It's pretty old game, right? Um, there is, like, one-way smoke, and it's, and it's a bug, but has become a feature, right? Meaning that if you're one side of the smoke, you can see the other player, but not the other way around. Oh, you see. can take that to your advantage, right? right? And there are tutorials how to do this, how to use it, huh. right? So it is that important to have a consistent um consistent simulation. So just want to make that clear that it is difficult to have real time simulation, but it's not the end of it. Let's say if we have it, if you can afford um if you can afford like a real time fluid simulation, it's, still, it's not the end of it. You have the server issues, you have to sync up the simulation, you know, on many different instances and make sure it's consistent. So it it is a it is an uphill battle, but I think it's worth it.
1: Okay. That's very interesting. Um, we don't have that much time left, but I wanted to ask because this is about La Forge, and I really wanted to know um, because there are probably some some PhDs listening right now. You know what would you what would you tell the PhDs that are thinking about this kind of journey and the, and what they should think about when they're entering this kind of trip? Well, I mean, my first advice
0: is like, <laughs> yeah, let's have it. <laughs> well, I mean, if if there are Okay, so wait a second. They're um, inside Ubisoft or they w- they are thinking about graduating and then come work Let's for say you they're
1: same. thinking about graduating from the outside.
0: From outside, okay. From outside. Let's start with outside. All right, that makes it – okay, even better. Have some self-confidence and have some vision and not just have as uh, sort of like magically have it. I mean it, it needs some, some some insight and you build insight, right? More often than not when you do graduate studies, you're sort of like you're shy – you don't have self-confidence, and then you just listen to your prof, and we have amazing profs. It's just they're, they're just following their own agenda, right? And But if you have your own dream, your own vision, you know, I'm going to work on this because one day I want to solve this problem, then you can actually take control of your PhD. It's going to be better because uh, you will be more passionate about what you're doing. It will hopefully, whatever you have as thesis, and let's face it, Nobody's going to read your thesis 99%, including yourself, of the time. But if you make it practical, then you're going to have a better PhD, you're going to enjoy it, and you're going to have a better shot at finding jobs. A job that actually not only pays well, but also makes you happier, like day to day. And that is, I is—I ho- hope—I wish somebody told me, like, you know, many years ago this. I sort of found it, found it the hard way. Yeah. But
1: yeah. Thank you very much, guys. I totally appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, that Just was fun. So, thanks for listening to Tech Makers, the Ubisoft podcast. I'm David Usher, and I will see you next time. We'll be talking about Forging the Future, all about action. See you then.